we got the alternative energy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello, you're listening to the Radioactive Show. Today's show has been produced on Wurundjeri Country, where I work and live. I want to acknowledge that this land has never been ceded and give my respect to Wurundjeri elders past, present and future. I'm Emma and today the Radioactive Show explores the partnerships between defence companies and education settings, in particular schools. As a teacher myself, I was particularly interested to explore the increasing integration of defence money and programs in schools with my guests. First, Elise West, Executive Officer of Medical Association for Prevention of War, who will discuss their recent report, Miners and Missiles. Next, I spoke with Dr Bev Hall, who became alarmed at the influence of defence in education when in 2013 she discovered the local high schools her grandchildren attended were defence schools and set out to work in an alliance against this. Later in the show, we hear from Miriam Torzillo about a new network opposing defence in schools, as well as promoting peace and climate justice education. Hi, Elise. Thank you for joining us on the Radioactive Show today. Um, Could you start out, nice to meet you, could you start out by telling us how you came to be involved in MAPWA, which is, of course, the Medical Association for Prevention of War? That's right. So I'm the executive officer of MAPW, and MAPW is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. We're a national organisation of um, health workers from every field, and I guess our members really live out their commitment to to do no harm and to prevent harm by advocating for peace and against militarism, which is essentially the idea that military solutions are the, the, the correct response to our social problems. Mm, thank you. And uh, I was interested that recently MAPW has written a report called Miners and Missiles, Weapons Companies in Schools. Why was there a need to write this report and has it been a while in the making? It has. So this report, we started on this in 2019 with researcher Lisa Coulthard. We started looking at weapons companies in primary and secondary schools because MAPW, along with others, has been tracking an increasing number of partnerships between weapons companies and universities for some time. So now there are almost no public universities that, that, that don't have some kind of financial partnership with weapons companies or with the defence industry more, more generally. Mm. And we knew that influencing the STEM education ecosystem, so science, technology, engineering and maths, was a stated objective for the defence industry and for the weapons industry more, more broadly. So we decided to look at primary and secondary education to see just where and how that influence began. Um, a good analogy for what we found is junk food advertising, where a brand that makes something unhealthy associates itself with something healthy and wholesome, like kids' sport, for example. Um, kids and their families and, and schools have good, healthy experiences with the brand and therefore develop a positive association uh, with the brand. So essentially what we found that weapons companies were doing with schools. Um, this is an issue because the weapons industry is harmful, in our opinion. It makes products that cause harm, such as nuclear weapons, but it also operates on harmful principles. And we know that the proliferation of weapons is one of the greatest threats to, to human health and 
to peace. Mm. We're really concerned because we found weapons companies offering programs to kids as young as four years old mm. who were not really able to um, critically evaluate the brands that they're being exposed to. And when weapons companies promote their brands to kids, they're really doing what all advertising essentially does, which is to sanction some forms of thought and behaviour and, and not others. Mm. And I want to point out, when we talk about um, science and technology in the defence industry, we're also talking about um, next generation technologies and weapons, things like hypersonics and long range and smart munitions, uh, um, artificial intelligence and lethal autonomous systems and, and, and technology like this that um, have really profound moral and legal implications that are really not yet settled. So we think it's really important that um, schools and families and teachers develop some critical thinking about um, not just the weapons industry, but also what is the role of the weapons industry in STEM education. Mm, thank you. Um, and so what, you know, you mentioned it comes with, you found, begins with children as young as four. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously it's probably piecemeal over different states and schools and even preschools if it's four-year-olds. What What's the nature of some of these types of programs that you found... Right. Yes, yeah, so in 2019, we found around two dozen programs for primary and secondary age kids. These are things like sponsorships, events, competitions, teaching and learning resources that are sort of aligned with the, with the curriculum, tours of industry premises, exhibitions like at Careers First, for example. We found camps and trips, including some overseas trips. So there's a lot of direct engagement between uh, industry personnel and students and teachers and input from the defence industry into STEM curricula around Australia. We think there are probably more programs coming online all the time, and there are probably programs that have um, a significant amount of weapons coming input, but it's very hard to determine um, where it is, where Mm. it exactly sits. Mm. And I did have a look at the report and, um, yeah, notice some of the names of these programs, things like 2019 STEM Day Out and the first Lego League and concept to creation and I can see why um, they're definitely being or how they're being dressed up as quite innocent and also providing valuable learning experiences for for students. Um, how, how would you distinguish or did the STEM type of programs um, come about uh, entwined with uh, defence funding or do you think there's a place for STEM type learning outside these kinds of defence-sponsored programs? Oh, STEM, STEM is absolutely vital. Um, we know that science and technology and engineering and maths and, and arts is often included in as well. It's really essential to solving some of our most pressing um, social and environmental issues. I think um, part of the problem with the defence industries stated desire to create a talent pipeline right from a very young age to attract the best and brightest young people to careers in the defence industry is the opportunity cost to other industries that can um, actually promote solutions rather than cause harm. Mm, Okay. So that's very much a, um, yeah, to the detraction of other creativity and design that could come from the coupling of those subjects. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And why is it that defence has um, such an advantage in these areas in implementing their programs in schools? So 
influencing young people to have a positive view of careers in um, the weapons industry is framed as a national security imperative. So the defence industry argues that without that secure talent pipeline of best and brightest young people, Australia's economy and security and sovereignty at risk, and this, this really gives the industry a great advantage over others, say, um, in, you know, in the environment or, or the arts or in medical research or in health, for example. And we, we think this is going to accelerate because only recently, just after the um, AUKUS announcement, which is mm. the new kind of trilateral security agreement with the UK and the US, the Minister for the Defence Industry, Melissa Price, has also been given responsibility for science and technology as well. And the Prime Minister said at the time that science and technology would complement her defence responsibility. So we're seeing an ever-increasing um, tying together of defence and science and technology, and we expect to see an acceleration of the intrusion of, of defence and the weapons industry into STEM to the detriment of other fields, but also these STEM skills. Mm, that's a worrying trend that's actually... Yeah, sort of trending more towards defence-influenced than what your report would suggest, the direction we need to be going. Um, Correct. Yeah. I had, I mean, I had heard of the um, the mention of the subs in schools program, which that's, that's something which she seems more explicitly about, um, you know, about defence um, rather than one of the more sort of general science um, programs. Is that, would you be able to describe it? Uh, that program at all, or do you know how that works in partnership with schools? Yeah, so some, like you mentioned, a program like Subs in Schools is really um, explicit. So that, that occurs in South Australia where there is a submarine building industry. So that connects students in, directly to uh, like a career pathway to an output. Um, that's obviously promoting submarine building and the naval industry as a, as a career option that's relevant to their local audience. But then other programs, they're not necessarily promoting submarines, for example, and not promoting weapons explicitly, but it's really more about brand association. Um, for, for younger kids as well, they don't necessarily... They see um, brands as an advertising primarily as entertainment. So we understand this is about creating positive brand association um, between kids and brands like BA Systems, which produces nuclear weapons, or Lockheed Martin, which is one of the, the biggest um, weapons makers in the world. Both of these companies are associated with um, alleged human rights abuses, with corruption, and with the ongoing war and humanitarian crisis in, in Yemen, for example. Mm. Um, th these are harmful brands. Mm. Um, you can't invite... Um, a tobacco company to sponsor your school fair and you can't invite uh, an alcohol company to your careers fair, but you can invite uh, a company that produces parts of weapons of mass destruction um, to, to talk to your students, for example. We think this is problematic. Mm, yeah, that's a um, compelling way to look at it. Have, <laughs> um, have there been... Has there been, are you aware of any schools um, saying no to these programs or complaints to like education departments or parent groups becoming concerned? No. So this is, this is a piece of work uh, yet for us to do. We really welcome input from students and schools and teachers on, on the issue. We would love to get more information about what, um, what people think about this. Um, we know that it's been quite a 
busy couple of years for, for school, so we have quite deliberately um, not been too busy in approaching schools and, and, you know, under pandemic conditions. And I guess you just touched on it there as well, but is there any other organising around defence in schools? Um, and also is it continuing um, in the tertiary sector as well? Mm. Yes, yes it is. So there's quite... Um, as I mentioned, there's a quite significant number of partnerships between weapons industries uh, and universities. So we've been um, advocating directly to a number of universities, bringing the, the harmful nature of the um, relationship to their attention. One of our core missions is that the abolition of nuclear weapons. So we're especially concerned where companies that are associated with nuclear weapons, which are now illegal, um, are continuing to be validated um, in their production of nuclear weapons by partnerships with universities and with schools. Um, we've got some allies in other states who are also doing their own organising around the issue, so whether that's advocating directly to, to schools or to education ministers or gathering more information about the, the, the nature of programs. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Radioactive Show, Elise, and we would um, love to follow up on your continued work in this area. This is The Radioactive Show, and you just heard my conversation with Elise West, the Executive Officer of Medical Association for Prevention of War. To read the Miners and Missiles Report, go to the MAPW website, mapw.org.au. Next, we hear from Bev Hall about how she became involved in an alliance for military-free education in South Australia from 2013. Thanks for joining us, Bev. Can I ask how Mm -hmm. you've uh, become involved in highlighting the presence of defence spending in schools in particular and also a bit of a background of your organising in the peace movement? Well, I've been involved in two organisations uh, in that sort of capacity. Um, besides the ALP, I'm as convener of Defence and Foreign Affairs uh, policy for a while. But um, in uh, 19, 2013, 2014, uh, the Wilf asked uh, if I would take over from their representative um, because there was a campaign here in South Australia uh, called the Alliance for Military Free Education. And so um, uh, I took over, and that was in a, in agreement in in conjunction with um, the AEU, mm-hmm. and they were very concerned about what was happening. Mm. Um, particularly as at that time, there were several schools that were appointed as defence schools. Um, that was Salisbury High School, uh, Aberfoyle Park High School. Um, uh, Valley View High School and Lefevre High School as models. Uh, the Aberfoyle Park and Valley View were under Raytheon, which is a horrible organisation and company, um, which you probably know about. Um, and uh, they, and then there was a school uh, a couple of years later, about 2014-2015, where uh, uh, the grandchildren that are in our full-time care were attending, and that was made the number one defence school in South Australia. 
Mm. I was angry and I joined the uh, governing council and I protested continually that they shouldn't have accepted that because one of the problems was that they were requiring that um, the children uh, would be, uh, they've got an Ignite program and the children who were following the Ignite program would go through to uh, the weapons research and and um, weapons industries. Um, Ignite is for the uh, supposedly gifted or above average and other children could join the military. That's what the plan was and I, you can imagine there's no way I was going to have my grandchildren joining anything mm. like that. So um, anyway that's modified considerably. So, can I ask, so can I ask um, a little bit about that? So um, these defence schools were like formal partnerships with a particular company, were they? Yes, were kind of yes, BAE, um, uh, I've forgotten a couple of the other companies and certainly Raytheon, which I don't like. On SWAT was the other one that they were in partnership with and they had uh, people come out as mentors for the uh, senior school, 10, 11, 12-year-old 12 classes and come out and mentor them. Uh, they had a, a, a female uh, mentoring program as well to encourage females to go into weapons research and um, also um, uh, some of the universities had uh, special programs as well. So, and part of this was the subs uh, pro, uh, idea that they were going to be able to go in and and uh, carry out programs with with um, uh, to lead people to be able to work on developing submarines and other types of um, more in grander uh, types of weaponry. But but the weapons research was anything from. Um, uh, uh, armaments to um, uh, drones. They had uh, killer drones that they were working on. All mm. these things. And I was reading how you said that uh, you were how people were uh, interested in um, or concerned about uh, Lego program fairs and science fairs. That was mild in comparison to what was being offered here. The mm. students had to the the part of the programs and and competitions that they were going into with some of the other schools involved was how to produce submarines, designs for submarines or designs for weaponry or or drones and things like this. So um, that I was definitely opposed to. Yeah, so, it's interesting um, because some of what yeah, I discussed in my other interview with um, Elise West from uh, mm -hmm. the Medical Association Prevention of War. She'd kind of looked at a lot of these programs that were, yeah, a little softer in that they were sponsored by defence, but the programs themselves sort of, you know, weren't explicitly about weapons or military. So it really seems that um, what you were opposing or at that time, these defence schools are really, they're not trying to hide it at all. They're just... Quite explicitly. Oh, no, they were very secretive. Right. Um, even on the even on the on the uh, governing council, we weren't told anything. Mm. And uh, it's because I was involved with Wilf, I found out how could you say around about, and then and I kept bringing up things, and none of the parents were aware. And my son, uh, his two children, they were at another school which was also offering one of these defence programs, and he didn't know anything about it. And the the other thing with with that is that um, uh, they were um, uh, uh, 
anyone sort of uh, couldn't have any choices of uh, uh, where you went because you zoned in schools in South Australia. And uh, this was another thing that I was bringing up and you shouldn't have to be forced into that. Mm. And I even was asking, well, what about the creative arts being included? Um, and uh, they said, no, it's strictly if students who are in the IGNITE program, they would go into weapons research uh, and into um, university following those types of, and working for some of these companies who were, the mentors were encouraging the people to be involved with the companies when they left school. And the students who were not in that, those programs, they would end up in the military. No. So there was, and you know, I said, "Hey, you know, this is not education, but mm. um, this is this is the way it was going." And, and um, how? What was? So tell me a bit about, um, yeah, the pushback against that. And you said it was secretive, mm. but did the word get out? And were other parents concerned? And um, what's happened uh, since then? Well, two things happened. Um, there was a change of principles locally. Um, and I think there were change of principles in some of the other schools. So they sort of broadened the subjects that were available. The other thing was that um, the companies and the government was actually funding special um, uh, coordinators of the de defence programs, and after three or four years, that money ran out. Mm -hmm. So those people weren't there to coordinate anymore. So, um, and because they're also in the coordination, not only running the programs, they're also taking the students over to the companies to have field work or experience. So it was kind of very heavy, in my opinion. Um, and I think probably uh, well, not only Actions of Wilf, but other organisations like Macquarie um, uh, and so on, they're all very concerned about this. But um, because I also um, was experiencing it with two, what well, that'd be with uh, five grandchildren uh, in two different schools, uh, I was able to get a lot more information. Yeah, any thoughts on why it is so important that um, education remains apart from the influence of defence? Oh, certainly. I think students should be, one, allowed to choose the, the pathways that are going to be more constructive rather than destructive and uh, that they're going to be able to contribute in a positive way to a better world in, an, in a nutshell. That's the way I feel. You're listening to The Radioactive Show and you just heard my conversation with Bev Hall about how in 2013 and onwards she mobilised against the partnerships of some South Australian schools with weapons companies such as BAE and Raytheon. It sounds like the Alliance for Military Free Education had some successes in South Australia at that time. However, defence sponsorship of programs in schools across Australia continues. My final interview was with Miriam Tozillo, who is working on these issues currently and is forming a new network opposing defence in schools as well as promoting peace and climate justice education. Um, where I'm speaking from, which is Widgeable Wyable Land in northern New South Wales, um, that's part of the greater um, Bundjalung nation. Yeah, and, and, and to acknowledge, you know, the fact that this land was taken um, by a military invasion. So that's important to how we think about, you know, like what we're doing. Mm, thank yeah. you. And... Um, Miriam, we'd be really interested to hear a bit about uh, the organising that you've been involved with 
currently around responding to some of the increasing defence um, influence in schools. Could you yeah. um, explain to listeners uh, the initiatives that you're a part of creating? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so uh, um, I, I came together with a few other p- people um, and that emerged out of the MAPWA report. Um, and the person that I'm working with had, had a win and this was to um, just be very persistent in approaching the Smith family who had formed a partnership with a company called BAE Systems and, and the Smith family were going to partner with them for a STEM program. But um, by, by finding a way into, you know, the traditional supporters of the Smith family, some old ladies probably like myself, um, in the end, managed to get the, the Smith family to sever that partnership. So on the basis of that, we wanted to see what more that we could do. So, so we, we try to do um, get up and running this thing that you were talking about that happened in, in South Australia, where school communities and parents and grandparents wanted to take on their school in regard to um, a commercial partnership that had been formed. So we want to do, we, we want to do that. We want to first um, get the ministers and the heads of departments to be up front with what, um, what policies they actually do have in place that would prevent that and draw their attention to the parts that they are seemingly ignoring because there's value statements and so forth. And then on the other hand, we are very keen to actually provide a central organising group and a platform so that this information can start to be shared to teachers, to parents, to to unions, to um, professional associations, because it hasn't been talked about. It's it's not something that people talk about. and, and we want to do one other thing, which is uh, provide an alternative. So what can you as a teacher do instead of doing that? And what could a school do um, instead of, you know, having a partnership with a weapons corporation? So a few people that we know have been um, doing some really interesting stuff with green innovation in STEM. Another uh, person who's coming into the group has started has done for the last few years, they've been doing um, um, non-violence projects in their school and they have a peace prize. So we want to, on the one hand, we want to go after the the industries and the people that allow that to happen and then the other provide the other side, which is what can then teachers do? Mm. And how might we, because we want safe education. Mm. We want future education. We want to bring back, there was a thing called um, education for sustainability and it was quite a thing for a while but it's really been pushed out of the way with a big emphasis on manufacturing, particularly for um, the weapons industry. And uh, in some places uh, they have co-developed curricula with school systems yeah, that was what I was hearing a bit about from Bev. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. such an important initiative at this 
point, um, and particularly with the renewed investment promised, I think, going ahead, um, sort of alongside this AUKUS announcement, but the whole mm-hmm. trend appears yep. to be of more coupling of education yes. with defence. And so, yeah, it sounds mm. like some really um, valuable organising and it's also still in formation, I guess. What are there, when, does the network have a name? Well, at the moment, Teachers for Peace, uh, with the idea that peace is not just no war, but peace is also um, a proactive idea and it's also about peace with, you know, it's about justice and climate justice and because if, if, if the government if the government's spending $30 billion a year around about on the defence industries and there's so many things that we could spend that money on mm. um, uh, and, and better ways. We don't want our young people to be making weapons. Um, that's not the future that we want for mm. our grandchildren, my grandchildren. Mm. So, yeah, we're, we're, I know it's like, it's like a giant thing. But we figured, well, you may as well just start. I hope you've enjoyed today's Radioactive show. And thank you to my guests, Elise West, Bev Hall, and just now we heard from Miriam Torzillo. Stay tuned for further follow-up on these issues. And you can read MAPW's report, Miners and Missiles, at mapw.org.au. The Radioactive Show is produced for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks to the Nuclear Free Collective of Friends of the Earth Melbourne for their support of the show. The Radioactive Show can be found on Facebook and you can podcast our shows on 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. I'm Emma and here's to a nuclear-free future.